Welcome to the Pro Football Doc podcast today. And this is a very, very special podcast today because this is actually our first podcast of 2022 with a guest. Typically, we uh, don't do guests in season because in football season, because there's just so much information. We just don't have time and whatever. In off season, we like doing guests. Uh, deeper dive things and uh, we hadn't gotten around to it because with Sports Injury Central now we're doing NBA and Major League Baseball so we've actually had a lot of stuff but uh, we're breaking the seal here we've had a lot of guests on Pro Football Doc podcasts over the years I mean big time guests in my opinion from you know the Teddy Bruschi to, to the Matt Hasselbacks, Philip Rivers you name it but also big time you know, Adam Schefter has been kind enough and, and Ian Rappaport. But today's podcast guest, you know, I don't even know how to describe Rich Ornberger here. Obviously, Rich, welcome to the show. You're, you're a friend. You're a neighbor. You're an NFL player. You're a, a, a Big Ten champion, uh, <laughs> a football player. But you might now be best known as being a newsbreaker, scooping Schefter, Rappaport, and everyone else on the Tom Brady slash BA thing. Uh, welcome to the show, first of all, and very patriotic. You, you know, red, white, and blue. There, that's 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 very Patriots color, even very patriotic. There, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I'm a, I love what you're doing with the website, uh, especially. Now being a retired football player and being very interested in my fantasy football teams, <laughs> as opposed to the teams I used to play for, uh, your uh, your your website and your your Twitter feed is a must for everybody. Uh, so yeah, that uh, it is a pleasure as always. And like you said, neighborly. It's it's good to, to you've been on my show many times. It's good to be on your show now. No, it's great. And and look. Uh, I think uh, your Twitter's a must-follow. You're breaking national news out of San Diego. Uh, tell us about your experience with that, because let me tell you, you, maybe some people don't know what you had said. Maybe recap it for them. And I think you got a lot of slings and arrows at you, tossed at you after you, you said what you said. And then in the end, I mean, you obviously have to feel exonerated, right? Well, what's interesting is none of that stuff really bothered me or um, impacts my life in any ways. The, the truth of the matter is, no matter if you're breaking good news or bad news, um, somebody's going to be upset by it. Because good news for a player could be bad news for a franchise. Good news for a franchise could be bad news for a player. And fandom, as we all know, you know, and fans are very fickle people, like, you know, they're very emotional people. And so um, my reporting specifically talking about what you're alluding to with the Buccaneers and the fractured relationship between Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, when that report came out there, yeah, there were a lot of naysayers. There were a lot of people who didn't believe um, that that was accurate at the time, especially when Tom Brady unretired and elected to come back and play for the Buccaneers. But in my opinion, and uh, after hearing what I heard from multiple sources connected to uh, that story down there in Tampa, I was blown away that they were able to bury the hatchet because there was real discord during the course of the 2021 season. So I was giving the, the Buccaneers flowers. I was saying things like, geez, you know, 
for Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and for this coaching staff and Tom Brady to fix whatever was um, whatever needed to be fixed for him to come back and play for them, good on them. And truthfully, even after Bruce Arians stepping down from his role as head coach, handing the reins over to Todd Bowles and resuming his uh, work with the Buccaneers in a front office position only, I still give them a lot of credit because there was, um, I believe my reports were accurate, there was a lot of issue uh, between Brady and his head coach. And for him to, in some ways, find a way to make this work. You know, Bruce Arians, maybe he was forced to. I don't know that. That would be speculation. But to find a way to make all these pieces come back together and fit, credit to that organization, credit to Tom Brady for doing it for one last run because I don't know if he re-signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I do know him being there makes them a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, and, and you know, you make some good points here. I mean, obviously, I, I saw your reports and I saw some of the people – panning you and but I know you well enough it's not worth it you to you to to make noise if there's no noise there you wouldn't go with something you're confident in yourself and what you're doing you're not trying to do that and and what you said wasn't horrible look I don't know about you Rich but you know I'm not trying to throw uh, I'll say uh, my wife and I we get along great but you know we have our <laughs> discord moments right and and that doesn't mean that you ever hate each other. Can't, and I'm not, you know, the bottom line is your report about putting in the game plan and then Arians coming in and red penning the thing. I thought it very plausible, but you know where I jumped on and really believed you is when Bruce Arians went so hard against the re report. It's like protesting too much, right? Uh, as uh, Junior Seau would say, if you violate the 10% rule, something's more than 10% true, people get sensitive, right? It, you know, uh, if it's not 10% true, then it's okay, right? I mean, you can make fun of me as a, as, you know, I'm a bad athlete, okay, I'm old, right? But you can make fun of me for that and be, I'm, I'm okay with it, you know, it doesn't really matter. But if you strike too close to home, then that's where, I mean, he went so far as to say, I don't even have a red pen. I don't think you were saying it was literally a red pen. It was just marking it up, like making some changes, right? And if he went that far, I was like, hmm, there's something to this. And, um, you know, I also jumped on it because Bruce. We lost lights in my studio. <laughs> oh, because you got the fancy, uh, you got to move around a little bit. Don't worry about it. There we go. That. That may not be the last time during our conversation. <laughs> you you, you got to talk with your hands more and, you know, wave and, and your your studio lights will, will stay on. No, um, I mean, even with the Antonio Brown thing, okay, when he walked off, right? Bruce Arians said he opened the press conference after the game with Antonio Brown is no longer a part of this team. Not Antonio Brown won't be a part of this team going forward. He opened it by saying he is no longer part of the team. And I was saying, hmm, I never heard of someone literally being cut right before the press conference, whether it was on the field or whatever, right? I mean, you got to talk to the GM and what have you. So uh, there's some hyperbole in that, obviously, and I'm not calling him a liar, but I mean, it's just interesting. So I, I, clearly your report was real. 
But Tom Brady is an adult. Look, if you think he and Bill Belichick, and you can come on this, saw eye to eye the whole time that they were there, that's just not true. I think Tom's like, yeah, I, I endured this for a long time. I lived in, in dad's home for a long time. I have my own house now. I mean, I want a little more control, right? I mean, you were there. I mean, to me, I've heard them all. Maybe you can share. I mean, you know, the, the Tom Brady stand up. What do you know about this in front of the team, right? I mean, uh, kind of stuff. Well, when... You know, I'll start from the start with uh, some of the things that you addressed there. You know, you're absolutely right. Conflict is an important part of any relationship, whether it be a marital relationship or a player-coach relationship. You know, obviously, conflict isn't limited uh, to any one relationship. It's a part of every relationship you have and an important part. So, like you said, just because there's conflict, doesn't necessarily mean that a relationship needs to end in order to fix it, right? And also, just because there's professional conflict doesn't mean that personally you can't be, um, you can't play nice with somebody, right? You know, so maybe it doesn't work as coworkers, but maybe you get along with somebody better as a person, you know, away from whatever field it is that you work in. So, there's a lot of different levels of conflict and there's a lot of different reasons why conflict occurs and there's a lot of different ways to resolve conflict. But if, if conflict wasn't important to Tom Brady in the least bit, um, you could argue that he would still be playing for the New England Patriots. But there was a certain level of dissatisfaction with his treatment during his time playing in New England. Maybe he wanted more autonomy, more say, and he was hoping to seek that uh, again, this would be speculation, but seek that by playing for a new franchise with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And maybe some of those same complaints he had about the way it was in New England reared their head again in Tampa Bay. And he wanted to get away from away from that in the first place. And so maybe that's what, again, this is all speculation, but led to essentially what we saw a week ago, which was Bruce Aaron stepping down. Here's what I do know. I do know there was issue. Is that what precipitated Tom Brady's retirement? That's for everybody to guess. Nobody may ever know. Um, there were issues. Did that precipitate Bruce Arians retiring as part of the deal for Tom Brady to unretire in place his next season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Nobody may ever know that. But there were issues. And they found a way somehow to keep everybody in-house. Maybe there's a little shuffling of the deck in different roles. And like I said before, credit to Bruce Aarons, to the organization, and to Tom Brady for getting that all figured out. Um, so yeah, look, this was a very interesting past couple of months in the NFL, especially regarding the greatest player to ever play the most important position in sports, and that's Tom Brady, because there's no argument there any longer. Uh, we'll see what happens with this upcoming season, but when you have an elite quarterback, you've got a chance to win it all. And not only do they have an elite quarterback, but they have an elite roster. And the NFC, there isn't as much competition around that conference as there is on the AFC side. No, I, I, absolutely there. And, and just so, so people who don't fully know, I mean, you have sources, you've been around, but you also have direct eyes and ears. I mean, you played with Tom Brady. You saw what was happening in New England, et cetera. And you're not trying to just break random news just 
to do it. You, you make a very measured observation from your sources and, and you stick to it. And uh, I appreciate that about you. And, and you said something about, you know, someone's going to be upset with you. There's no question uh, about that. I mean, I mean, uh, let's say uh, national championship game, Jameson Williams goes down for Alabama. And I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, he looks like he tore his ACL. And I had a bunch of people yelling at me that were Alabama fans. You don't know what you're talking about, this, that, the other. Thankfully, there are enough Twitter followers now that say, don't you realize this is what he does? And every time I dabble in the football world, people know. But every time it goes outside the football world, it's like, you know, uh, you know, how can you be a doctor? You didn't examine him. You know, you're, you're, it's HIPAA, it's unethical, all that stuff comes. And I'm like, I've vetted it with attorneys and, and, and uh, ethics officers. As long as I'm clear that I'm not examining, I'm doing off video, I can give an opinion from the outside. Uh, it's not a diagnosis. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, Twitter is like Yelp, right? I mean, it, it, it there's, there's, there, there are some people that, uh, that uh, love to uh, stir it and mix it up. Well, and let me comment on that because uh, like you know, and like you've seen, you have reactions sometimes to things, but I love that passion. You know, like I said, it doesn't bother me and I don't let it affect me. It doesn't have any impact on my life and all that's true. The fact of the matter is, look, if, if you're telling the truth to the best of your ability and you'll miss sometimes, you know, I'll miss sometimes. It's it's part of analyzing things. It's a part of, you know, reporting on things. Um, as long as you're honest about that, I would prefer a thousand percent to be wrong sometimes and honest rather than be 100 percent accurate and lying to people because mm -hmm. nobody's 100 percent accurate. So you'd be lying to if you tried to pretend you were. And I love the passion, though. When people are mad at you or people are upset at an outcome that you uh, predicted correctly in your field or when I'm analyzing something honestly and maybe there's a fan of a certain starting quarterback and I think his latest performance stunk. Well, I have to be authentic and honest about it because if I'm not, I'm not doing justice to my role in this weird sports universe we have uh, as an analyst. So you got to appreciate the passion because that, that passion breeds interest and interest is the reason why we're even here discussing and anybody's listening to us in the first place. No, that's, that's absolutely true. You bring up some interesting points. So how often, I know it happens, like in your dealing with people in the NFL and talking, you know a lot about things that are happening, but how do you manage like which stories you withhold and which ones you run with, right? And, um, I, you know, the, I'll bet you thought about, am I gonna break this Tom Brady one or not? And, and there are a lot of other back things that you hear, but you say, well, I'm just not gonna go with that. How do you manage that? Well, I mean, look, I, I mean, my role typically is not somebody who's going to be um, breaking news on a daily basis or even a monthly or annual basis. It's not it's not really the lane that I re reside in all that often. And oddly, lately, there's just been a lot of information uh, coming my way. And so it's just you have to be very discerning, obviously. And like I said before, you have to be honest. So if you get something wrong, it's important to admit if there is faults along the way, you know, and and, and also 
kind of is speaking out of the same side of my mouth. If you have something right that doesn't that that doesn't sort of feel like it's fitting the popular narrative, you you also have to stick to your guns and you also have to make sure that you 100% with the same authenticity that you reported something with, you back up that story with. So look, that's a tightrope that like you mentioned earlier in this conversation that Adam Schefter has to walk constantly, that, um, you know, all of them, Ian Rappaport, any of the major, uh, Jake Glazer, any of the major newsbreakers around the NFL or any sport. You know, you look at the Bob Nightingales covering MLB. Um, you look at um, the J.P. Morosi's covering the MLB. Uh, the, the Ken Rosenthal. These guys are given so much access, whether it be relationships with agents, players, uh, front office folks, wherever the, the information's coming from, they have to fully vet it before making it publicly known. Um, my, my game is typically opinion-based, which, um, which still ruffles many feathers. <laughs> and so you have to obviously be authentic about the things you're saying and speak from a platitude of your past knowledge and back it up with whatever data or, or visual evidence you have uh, from watching the game and being around the game and being an ambassador for the game. So, yeah, I guess everybody has their lane. And typically I reside in the analyst lane. And if I'm going to venture outside of that, I'm going to try to be as accurate as possible. Well, you and me both. I decided a long time ago, and I think it was lucky, that I would only use analysis. My eyes, my ears, my brain, looking at video. Uh, it would be unethical of me, and I never call another athletic trainer or a team physician, hey, what's your guy got? He, they wouldn't tell me anyways. But it's just funny how, like, for example, uh, when the whole Aaron Rodgers thing came out with the vaccinated, immunized, the only thing I was saying was, look, I knew the Packers knew. I knew people in the NFL knew. I knew people on other teams knew. Why? I knew about it. I mean, if I knew about it here in San Diego, I can't be the only one. And I didn't go with it because potential HIPAA and why and, you know, I didn't whatever. And all I was saying when Aaron Rodgers controversy came out is, to say that the Packers didn't know is ridiculous. I mean, you know, guys and other teams knew. I knew. I mean, it is what it what it is. And uh, but staying in that analysis lane. And you're right. That's why I don't delete tweets if I'm wrong about an injury and I miss. I miss. And it's just video. I mean, it's 95%. But you know. And the other thing is, you know, I love. Look, I always say like coach speak. A coach will say. John Harbaugh would say, Lamar Jackson looks good this week. I think he's going to play this week in the, the season. That's his job, right? To kind of, you know, coach speak and do stuff. I'm not calling him a liar, but I said, no, he's not playing. It's a bone bruise. It is what it is. It, it's just, uh, that's kind of what it is. But, but Rich, I mean, as a newsbreaker now, I mean, Schefter just got 10 mil. I mean, I think you need to, like, you scooped him. So, you know, you got to go back and talk to iHeart and Fox and all your people there. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, yeah. The, the, the next contract, it's going to be a doozy for them. You know, uh, <laughs> I give a lot of credit to, uh, to Adam Schefter. And I know, again, a lot of people don't want to or don't, don't like that style of, uh, of, of reporting or fame or Ian Rappaport. I mean, these are guys who obviously, over the course of my playing career, spent a lot of time with because they'd be in the locker rooms of various teams that I played for and covering uh, major national stories and, and the like. So um, 
from a, a peer standpoint, you know, you get to know these people and, uh, and then also up oh, the lights went out again, hang tight. And also from, uh, you know, just from, from the standpoint of knowing what you go through, um, when you are reporting on news as you've heard it and you're trying to go public with it, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's another part of the business where you, you are, you're putting your credibility on the line every time you do it. And so, um, yeah, credit where credit's due. And I honestly, you know, we're talking a lot, uh, you being honest and open about how you feel when you're analyzing certain injuries or certain things and different fan bases may uh, have different opinions and feel differently about it, depending on, you know, it's uh, bad news about a wide receiver they root for or what have you. You stick to what you report, what your eyes tell you, and you'll you'll never miss that far. And so that's uh, that's always the goal. And uh, and certainly uh, on the outset, you're, you're never looking to mislead. You're always looking to be as honest as you've heard it or as honest as you've seen it. Well, you know, thank you. And, and as we wrap up here, I want to make sure everyone knows that that. In, in my NFL time, there were a lot of characters and people around and you were definitely one of the funnier guys, uh, <laughs> comedian type. And like, I mean, honestly, I would compare you almost to Pat McAfee and what he's done. In a and so the question is, when are you going to do WrestleMania and uh, WWE? Well, yeah, I have a match scheduled next year's WrestleMania against Undertaker. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm gonna come out of the coffin, and it's gonna be a whole thing. Can't wait. I'm gonna hit him with an urn, and you know, we'll scrap for about four or five minutes, chug a beer, and then call tonight. You know, really send off the 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 event the way it should be. Now, I have no desire. You're breaking more news. I mean, there's your next news break. <laughs> I have zero desire. I mean, Pat McAfee, talk about remaining an athlete. He did a backflip off of a top rope. If I attempted to do that, I'd be in your office right now asking for orthopedic help. So, and he uh, stuck the landing. I couldn't He stuck it. the landing. I mean, that was, yeah, absolutely. All right, Rich, thank you very much, my friend, Mr. Patriot right there, red, white, and blue. I appreciate you, and uh, thank you for coming on. And uh First podcast guest of the 2002 calendar year. Thank you. You bet. All right. Thanks to Rich Ornberger there. He's a good man. Uh, I was trying to get him to tell some jokes. He's he's a pretty funny guy there. He didn't. He stayed professional there. Uh, I guess I'm not a good interviewer. I didn't get that out of him. But he'd be pretty good at WWE wrestling. I think. I think he'd be pretty pretty uh, good at the good at that. All right, let's welcome to our regular segment here. We got the boys here. We got uh, Taylor and Jacob and producer Justin, who will chime in and keep me honest in terms of what's going on. What's up, guys? You're going to be more talkative today, Taylor? I mean, last week you, you didn't, you know, I'm more you're excited a little nervous, I think. I'm in a Vegas hotel room, so I'm way more excited this week. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> How many wagers you got coffee. down already? I mean, well, I had a, ten, a tennis started at seven a.m., so we started there, and it, the night, the day goes. Tennis, down. oh wow! No <laughs> Korean base, no, 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 no Korean baseball last nervous, night. So he must be doing all right. Nope. <laughs> nope. MLB started. I, I, I gotta, I gotta focus on one baseball. It's too much. That was the lockout. I had nothing else to focus on. 
<laughs> All right, so we got a lot to cover today, so we'll try and go through it. I mean, I just try and go by what's newsworthy. Obviously, the NC2A game tonight is huge. Um, Masters week. Uh, no, I'm not going. I had thought about it. Too much travel. Um, we got, uh, you know, NBA playoffs around the corner. Lots of injuries there. Major League Baseball. Boy, they're dropping like flies. We'll, we'll cover that. Um, NFL. You got to draft and other things to, to cover. And then we'll have a beast of the week. So leading off, let's see. What do you guys want to cover? We'll lead off with uh, North Carolina versus uh, Kansas. Let me ask you guys this question. Uh, that game, Duke versus North Carolina, was pretty good. I thought it was a great game, right? right? And a couple of observations I will make there. First of all, it's amazing that that was the first time they ever met in March Madness. It's amazing. And conspiracy theorists will say, well, because they always keep them apart because of TV, you know, whatever, the East Coast bias, the whole thing. But was it just me or did Roy Williams seem a little extra happy that North Carolina won in the end? I mean, I understand that's his team, and he's going to be happy. Now, what's Roy Williams going to be doing tonight? He was Kansas and North Carolina, right? I mean, okay, one more as an alma mater, but still. But didn't he seem like, for a public figure, like really extra jacked that North Carolina won that game? Or was I've that just me? He's so fast. Never seen him move that fast before. <laughs> he, he jumped out of his seat and he stayed there. Do you guys think Coach K should be in the GOAT conversation? Absolutely. I mean, it's hard to do anything good for that long and have that sustained success. I mean, especially college players and the way the game's changed and you're recruiting one and done guys and you still have that kind of success. That's that's I, difficult to do. I don't know Coach K. I have a lot of respect for Coach K and the longevity of what he's done. I would actually say no. Here's why. I mean, maybe I'm a prisoner of being West Coast, but John Wooden, 11 out of 13 years, right? I mean, that's the GOAT. That's the Tom Brady. But here's the other thing where I think he's, look, 42 years, amazing. I take nothing away from Coach K, period. Amazing what he's done. But is he the baseball player that hit 25 home runs a year and played for 20 years? Yeah, he's got five titles, so he's won. He's won some World Series, so to speak. But here's why I don't know that he is in a GOAT conversation. Tom Brady would not be the GOAT with all of his accomplishments if he lost more games to Peyton than he won, right? He just wouldn't be the GOAT, even with the Super Bowls and whatever. Yeah, right. Coach K's Duke's number one rival is North Carolina. What was Coach K's record against North Carolina? Under 50 and 50. He was 50 and 49 before losing this game. Can the Ohio, an Ohio State coach be labeled a GOAT if he's 500 against Michigan? No. <laughs> Just can't. a question. Great play. Great coach. People will probably hate yeah. me for that. That's a side comment. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, uh, I don't know that he's <laughs> a GOAT. You can talk about it, I guess. But, I mean, GOAT in terms of longevity and what he's done, uh, yeah, he's a great coach in the whole deal. Take nothing away from him. But I'd have to say that's not close to what John Wooden did. And it was a different era, different time, different whatever, and probably cannot be replicated today. But Coach K, I mean, 20, 42 years is pretty, pretty awesome. All right, uh, sorry about that side note there, but 
Bacot, he's going to play. This is, yeah. a, this is the Super Bowl. He's going to play. Tape it up. Yeah. But how well? Uh, we've said six score, low 80s. I think offensively and yeah. rebounding, he can be okay. He's a big-bodied guy. I mean, he might not sky and get be athletic, but, you know, rebounding defensively is about blocking out, and he's going to get all of those. Right. And uh, offensively, I think he knows where he's going, so he still can shoot and score some. But defensively would be my worry. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't watch all of college basketball, but the most impressive player from Saturday to me was David McCormick. Absolutely. And what, what's his FanDuel prop? So right now he's at 11 points on FanDuel. Yes, and he's got a half. prop back-to-back games, 15 um, the game before last and 25 um, in the last game. So, I mean, he's become the focal point I, of that. I think, it, I think the low prop value is a prisoner because he had the foot soreness throughout the season and didn't play much. So his season average is only nine and a half. Right. And yes, North Carolina has more bigger players, including Bacot, but I don't see Bacot being as effective defensively and uh, 11 and a half seems easy, but I don't know. I mean, I'm just going off of medical. Uh, of course, M- McCormick could get in foul trouble and not make it, but but he scored 25 last game against... Uh, foul trouble, uh, uh, I think Bacot's the one that's going to get in foul trouble. I think that's what that's why I think that even more McCormick, I think, is going to be a big thing. He's gonna, that's Defensively, it's going to be a huge issue, and I think Kansas has changed their offense before Remy Martin and a couple of their guards were their key key uh, point producer, but the last couple games in, in most of the tournament, they've come into a very heavy um, post play. So McCormick it will, should definitely take advantage of that injury, like we said. All right. So that's uh, the big game tonight. The other big news for the week, sporting event-wise, is the Masters, Augusta, right? And uh, talked a lot about a little about it with uh, Rich Hornberger there, but Look, maybe I'm a prisoner of being lucky enough having been to Augusta and the Masters. The TV does not do it justice how hilly it is. Um, You know how, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but like you go on a black diamond run or a pretty significant ski run and, and either you video it or take a picture and you go, it doesn't look like it's anything, right? But when you're there, it's very impressive. I think that's the same for the Masters in how hilly it is. It is not a flat course. It's not mountainous, but it is a lot of undulating hills, and, and you have to walk it, right? I mean, and okay, someone's carrying your bag, but you still have to walk it. And I don't know that he's played four rounds of back-to-back golf yet. Um, you know, uh, when he got to Augusta, he did a practice round, then took time off and another practice round. And who knows if Tiger's even going to play. We've talked about it in December, right, when he played with his son. Don't count on him playing in the Masters. I don't see Tiger as someone, do, do you guys see this, that who's just going to, quote, suit up and go out there? I mean, if Tiger can't compete to win, I mean, like... I don't know that he goes out there, right? And because of that, I still don't know that he's going to go out there. Uh, To me, I'll I'll give it to him. If he goes out there, plays, does well, finishes high up, uh, hats off to the GOAT. No, no, No problem. I still don't really see it. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think you made a good point. Talk to me a while ago. Just it's no big deal for him to go to Augusta. He wants to go out and hang out there and be there for the Masters dinner and and 
he's not going to miss that well, he, part he's, of it. He's golf, he, even if he doesn't play, he's he golf royalty. It. it would be news if he couldn't right. go. I think he would get grief like, okay, you're not 100%, but you can't come to the dinner? I mean, you can't be where, you know, this is the yeah. Super Bowl, right? And That's the bigger uh, look, news. Uh, yeah. uh, the last Super Bowl I went to in person, uh, Miami, before some of this pandemic weirdness, um, Chiefs versus 49ers, Bill Belichick wasn't in that Super Bowl, but yet he went down to, to Miami. I mean, you know, uh, uh, Gronk is a different story. He held parties <laughs> and stuff. But, but you get what I'm saying? It's such a big event. <laughs> it doesn't anyways. do anything. And, and the other thing is, um, yeah. I mentioned with Rich that I have a friendly wager with Billy Volek, who thinks he's going to play. He goes, why else would he fly there? I said, Billy. That's like you taking an Uber to go to dinner, okay? I mean, he's got his plane. That's like that's like an Uber to him, okay? I mean, it's not that hard. I mean, uh, kind of yeah. deal. Uh, the, he's in a different stratosphere to the rest of the world. It's, I mean, yes, uh, Augusta is a hard place to get to, and there's no direct airports, but that private plane takes you right into Augusta, and you know, it's his personal Uber, right? I mean, uh, et cetera. The other one I still think that is flying under the radar is Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, Valero open, missed the cut. I mean, he's a guy known for hitting bombs. He was missing fairways. I don't remember his numbers. He was actually hung in there because he chipped in and he was plus on his putting. But I don't see how he can do well in this master's course. That hook of the hamate fracture is real. I mean, it doesn't affect your, affect your chipping and putting, but it absolutely will affect breaking out the big driver and hitting bombs in terms of your accuracy because the left hand, which is what he has broken, that's the power grip side, right? And that hook of the hamate. And so the left hip yeah, as well. Left hip too, right, for hip turn, but left hook of the hamate. And hook of the hamate fractures we've talked about don't heal. So I still am... You know, you, you guys are, uh, I don't have, I'm in California, I don't gamble, but look at some of those props up there at FanDuel or otherwise, uh, Taylor, the, the individual matchups or whatever. I think there's some opportunities there. Um, and I got a um, list right here for you, Doc. I got Woods at 55 to 1, Bryson at 38 to 1, and there's another one, the defending champ, uh, Hideki Matsuyama. He has a back injury, and his um, is at 42 to 1. So there's multiple, you know, big-time golfers that have, you know, you know, big shot odds, you know, not to. Yeah. And, and I think those are all, you know, people like that. They see a name, but uh, yeah. the defending champion with, I think it's his neck issue. And but I think all those three of those are, you know, go, go, go buy a Powerball ticket. I mean, that's, uh, yeah. that's. Uh, hey, we, we wrote, we wrote a lesson a week ago that Bryson and Tiger weren't worth the Masters bet. And they both dropped, dropped it out since then. I think Bryson was 29 to one. And Tiger was fifty to one, and now they're lower than that. So that that tells you what the the books think about that too. Well, yeah, and and you know the, but Tiger, Tiger is um, Dallas Cowboys on steroids. Like you know, the Cowboys never get the right line because they have so many fans, right? So their odds are always pushed a certain yeah. direction. But Tiger is that on steroids, right? I mean, uh, when I when I retweeted yesterday and said some stuff about Tiger. Okay. He's, you know, we'll see. I mean, he's saying, you know, let's see if he can compete. And I made some, you know, my analysis and 
boy, there were a lot of people that were coming at me. Why would he be there? What's the, he's the goat. He could do it. Like a lot of people came at me. I'm just giving an opinion. We'll see, we'll, we'll see what happens. And I'm not deleting any tweets or anything. If he finishes top 10, I will hats off to him. I don't even think that's in the realm of possibilities for Tiger at all, but uh, it is what it is. And, and here's the thing. We do have a panel of doctors. They agree with us. And, and uh, a good number of them, myself included, I don't think I'm a golf, oh my God, expert, but I have operated on PGA players. I have covered, you know, the, uh, the golf tournament at Torrey Pines in the past. And, um, you know, uh, just knowing body mechanics and other things, uh, I still think it's, uh, uh, he's not really gonna go. All right, so where do you want it, guys wanna go next? That was Masters, where do you wanna go next? Let's go to the Lakers real quick. I mean, everyone's talking about them, but it's. Uh, I think we we've been on the injury angle from the start. I mean, we we wrote how it's kind of derailed their season. Now LeBron's missing key games with that ankle, and then the the Baker cyst on the left knee. It's is kind of the one year that injuries have caught up to him. Right, and 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 you know he's played a lot of basketball the whole thing. But if you think about it, at the beginning of the season, it was Brooklyn Nets versus L.A. Lakers in the finals. One's out of the playing spot, the Lakers. And Brooklyn is still barely in the play-in spot, right? I mean, between right. injuries and, in Brooklyn's case, COVID, Kyrie, and, you know, and Harden leaving, and, no, and injuries, no Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons, I think, you know, once we jumped on the epidural, once he said epidural, they said that he's not coming back. I don't think he is at this point in time. The word is leaking out on that. And LeBron's ankle obviously is a bigger deal, so I didn't catch up. Obviously, the Lakers did not win last night. I assume with uh, with uh, LeBron out, and uh, and the Spurs are ahead of them in the play-in, right? I assume they beat right. Portland. Spurs are two games ahead with four left. Yep. But they have the tiebreaker. That's Monday. So four left, two games, and the tiebreaker. So. <laughs> So the magic number is now two. Yes. Two San Antonio wins and the Lakers are out. Two Lakers losses. Any combination of Lakers losses. And, and that's where I think it's almost white flag time for the, for the Lakers. I mean, yeah, they got Anthony Davis back. But anyways, lots of other uh, playoff news. And, and, you know, no word on Zion, even though the Pelicans are... are uh, in the play-in, right? I mean, uh, et cetera. All right. Um, you want to stay NBA or seem, we seem to got to have a lot of bad baseball news, huh? Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about how soft tissues could pile up, but it seems like even, even the ramp up to spring training is getting some, some starting pitcher injuries. We, we have uh, articles up about Lance Lynn, the torn uh, left knee tendon or right knee tendon, the push off leg, which is big. Um, Jack Flaherty pitching through uh, the SLAP, tear in the, in the labrum. I kind of want, want more details on that from you, Doc, um, just about how is he trying to pitch through that? I mean, he's kind of downplayed it and said, oh, it's just inflammation. I've dealt with it before. It's an old tear. How is that going to affect him <laughs> this season? Well, I mean, those guys, DeGrom, I mean, you know, Chris Sale. I mean, there's a lot. We got a lot of content up there. Uh, go to the basket, the baseball page to see it. But Flaherty, okay, Lynn's issue, he's having surgery. It was a partial tear of a tendon. Does anyone think he's coming back in four weeks? 
I mean, uh, uh, I mean, six if he's lucky. I think the over/under is close to closer to two months and two months and change. I mean, he's yeah. a pitcher. He's got to get back into throwing shape, and you can't get an overuse of your elbow or shoulder. I mean, I, uh, don't draft him in fantasy. <laughs> At least right. not in the usual spot. And Flaherty, I have my worries. We always say injuries beget injuries. Okay, so. I get the spin, the slap tear, which is a super label tear, the biceps is quote old and it's minor. The only minor slap tear in a pitcher is the one that's in your opponent. As you know, I mean, you know, for you as a pitcher, the deceleration after, you know, you throw your whole body weight into it, the slap as it pulls, that's a big deal. And that can lead to compensation leading to inflammation, the bursitis, the oblique strain that he had uh, previously, et cetera. So yeah, injuries beget injuries, especially throughout the kinetic chain. And that's why we worry about lower body in pitchers. And the fact that he has a slap tear, how old is Flaherty, by the way? 26. So he, he had, okay. he came up very young, 21. He had a great season. Mark so kind of my off. words. Mark my words. Flaherty will have a slap repair to his shoulder before his career is done. Will it be this season? Don't know, could be. He's been trying to blow through it. Slap tears don't heal. It's gonna get worse over time. He will have surgery, in my What's opinion. What's the recovery timeline? Assuming the slap tear is real. What's and the recovery timeline? Is that like an off-season surgery? Yeah, typically. I mean, it, you know, if he has it now, he's done for the season, right? So he's missed his window to do it. Yeah. And uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And if he continues to struggle, we'll see it coming. Uh, and then Acuna, uh, uh, Ronald Acuna was 10 day IL. I take that as good news. Right. It could have been 60. Right. Well, I have a question we, about that. Doc. Yeah. Um, when the DH, is that allowing players to come back early because they're not going to be in the field? Because I, I agree with you. If he if there was no DH, Acuna would probably be on the 60 day DL. Right. I think you're right about that. Yeah. It's the hardest thing is to play in the field. How he tore his ACL is playing in the field. Yes. Um, yeah. There's a little. There's very little danger for his ACL for his hitting, and um, there's a little bit of danger, perhaps, his ACL as he runs the bases a little bit, but more in the field. And um, so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that. And we've been saying he's not going to be ready or full for the start of the season. 10-day IL is probably good news. Maybe they can get him to be a DH, uh, you know, in later in April or early May and short of 60 days. But, yeah, and, and, you know, baseball is one of those sports where you don't have to be 100%. I'm not calling anyone soft, but, you know, 85% is a good day in football. Yeah. Baseball, 85%, you sit and wait because <laughs> you can't be as effective. If you have and, a hangnail, uh, you got to be in the 90s, 95. If you have a hangnail when you're a pitcher, you you sit your start out. You don't pitch. You know you're going to tell a football player. Oh uh, well, out. come on. Let's not look. <laughs> All right, uh, let's let's not go there. I'm not calling. Look, look. The, the days of you know you do need your hands or fingers, and a hangnail can be a big deal. A blister is a big deal on a pitcher, right? Yes, but I agree. With let me tell you one thing that I came away. I, I went to spring training with my nine-year-old son. I hadn't been in a long time. What impressed me. Of course, we spent a lot of time out on the minor league fields, right? And, you know, chasing down balls and stuff. Honestly, what very much impressed me is top to bottom, 
you do not have any baseball bodies anymore. The guys are thick. They really looked much more like football players. And, and especially even going down in the ranks into the minors, there were a lot of big boys. There is a premium on physical talent now in baseball that's transitioned all the way down. It's not the stereotypic Babe Ruth with the pot belly uh, or, or quite honestly, San Diego great, Tony Gwynn, especially late in his career, obviously a great athlete. You don't have that anymore. Uh, these guys are all built and in shape. And same throughout sports. I mean, when Tiger came up, he was the fit dude, and you had others that were whatever. Now, every one of the golfers are the fit dudes, right? It's hard to find one that's not fit. The, the training, nutrition, everything has changed, and I think it goes down to baseball as well. All right. Um, what else we got here? Well, I think here? that's a perfect segue. To oh, the NFL. Let's not forget about the NFL. Yeah. Um, this weekend is uh, recheck combines. So the second free trip to Indy, uh, there is a new thing this year. I used to have to go to Indy for this recheck and literally you'd be there for, you know, an hour of work, maybe or two hours max, all the way across the country, change planes from San Diego to Indianapolis, go against time zone. Now they have a Zoom option. So I think half the team will be in person and half the team, not for COVID, but for just travel logistics are gonna say, ah, we can just get it off of Zoom, what we, what we need. Look, uh, all these guys coming off an ACL tear, uh, let's say uh, James, Jameson Williams, he was six weeks post-op when he was there at the Combines. Now he's uh, you know, maybe 10 weeks post-op or 12. He's still not gonna be ready, there's no big difference. And um, you know, I guess the, there was a posting that Schefter tweeted of through his agent of look at how well he's doing high knee drills i'm like well a that's not acl specific b we tweeted about it you look at that and say oh that's his left knee's the acl knee it he it, it, it the one knee goes up six inches higher than the other i mean he's not there yet i still don't believe he'll be ready week one it is what it is teams know this and you don't always need the rechecks to do this Let's see what else. Drake London pushed off his pro day. Yes. Well, Jacob, you, you published yes. the article talking about that a month ago, saying we thought he would push off his pro day. Uh, that's not yeah. news. Um, they know he's going to be ready by the start of the season. Drake London isn't going to drop any more than the draft because he pushed back right. his pro day. They know what he can do, and they, they have an idea. And it's not a surprise. He's just not 100% yet. He's, he, was, he said he was 85% at Combines. Maybe he's low 90s now, but you don't want to work out when you're low 90s. You want to work out when you're 98 so that you can look good for teams. Don't, don't hurt your draft stock. That's not a surprise, but he'll get there. Another positive pro day, um, Derek Stingley, one of the top cornerbacks. Um, he was dealing with that Liz Frank uh, midfoot sprain injury. He did work out today for the first time, did not work out of the combine. So that was big for him. Yeah, well, that, I thought he was going to be fine with that too. The only one that I have my quote, spidey senses up on. And maybe you'll blow me out of the water. Have you seen any reports of how Kenny Pickett's pro day went in terms of his throws? We talked about this, yep. Have, have you nothing, seen any? Nothing. Nothing. We certainly heard it from Malik uh, Willis. Willis, yes. Kaepernick got yes. more coverage. His pro day. From his, uh, his Michigan day. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Kaepernick had more video than Pickett did. 
Kaepernick. What's that? Who did? Kaepernick. Kaepernick had more. Oh, Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Yeah, yeah. Um, there might be. What about uh, what about the Ole Miss guy? Matt Coral. There is no video of him. No video of him either. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. who knows? Maybe there's just no video of Kenny Pickett. Now, the the big thing with his hand, you know, we talked about. It. It's not huge, but the NFL ball is a little bigger, a little different. Yeah. And uh, it would have reassured me to see all this video or reports of he completed 37 out of 37 passes and, you know, (laughs) right. The hyperbole that comes out and we didn't see any hyperbole. That doesn't mean it it wasn't there. You know, it's hard to prove a negative. Right. I mean, so uh, we'll see. We'll see where that lands him. Uh, It's not an absolute hand size thing. It's just, you know, they just want to see him spin the NFL ball is all. who, who um, another, another quick one. Taylor noted that uh, camp opens today for teams with NFL teams with new head coaches. Uh, Daniel Jones, something we're going to track heading into next season uh, with the neck issue. He said he expects to be cleared and ready to go, although he missed that the last six games with uh, with something that was a little more than than the team he and the team led on. Yeah, I think he's probably going to be okay. And and yeah, so the coaches, the the reason why you can start the off season programs early and you get an extra mini camp is to be fair. If you're a new coaching staff, you want to see your team before you draft, at least in person, right? So that's why you get the mini camp and you get a jump on OTAs a little bit. That's sort of uh, the advantage a little bit. I'm sure they would police it, but I'm a little surprised where a team just doesn't rotate head coaches even year odd year. They get the extra (laughs) time, right, between two guys. I'm joking about that. But in the NFL, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? I mean, uh, (laughs) you'd get the extra extra mini camp in time. Um, All right. So uh, don't want to run too long in this podcast. We have to end on Beast of the Week. And I am honestly very, very impressed. Look, I've worked in WWE before. I've talked about it. We've talked about it with uh, uh, Big E, right? Uh, uh, With his neck injury and and, uh, C1 fracture. I've worked in WWE before a lot. Yes, it's scripted. Yes, it's quote fake, but the injuries are real and their athleticism is real. Look, I mistakenly thought Pat McAfee, you know, he announces WD, he'd go out and, you know, be super entertaining, be, be, but be more of an entertainer than wrestler. Oh my gosh, if you look at the video here, and Rich talked about it a little bit, a backflip stuck the landing off the top rope, several other top rope things and acrobatics. I mean, there's the part where he these jumped. guys trained for that. I mean, he put in some time. He didn't just go out there and do that. Uh, a front roll dive to make sure. I mean, you can break your neck that way. Yep. Now, I will admit that the, I'll let you, maybe it's changed. But when I was working WWE, you know what the ring is made out of? Of course, there's padding. But it's not super soft padding. But the way they get the spring, it's two by eight wooden boards across the ring that are not bolted in. Mm-hmm. So that's where you get the noise and the bounce mm-hmm. and the, but it's a so, it's not not a soft landing, right. but it's a softer landing than, than right. a regular mat and floor uh, would be. But I think uh, Pat McAfee's wife posted a picture of some bruises and other things and so forth. Look, the injuries are real. I, I gotta say, I was impressed with what he did. I mean, 
if you didn't know who he was, you'd say he's on the circuit. I mean, I was very impressed. So with that, I got to give, I mean, look, he was going to get his millions regardless for that appearance. And uh, look, I did think, I thought he would do some fun things like, you know, whip the crowd up. And, you know, I think it was predictable that he would grab the microphone in the middle of his match and start commenting on the match. I mean, those are, those are what I mean, entertainment value things that I think he would do. But he actually... Wrestled. I mean, of course, there's some theatrics in there. All right, he made some fantastic moves. So for that, I have to give Pat McAfee, our friend Pat McAfee, the beast of the week. I think he's showing that uh, 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 kickers are people too. They're they're athletes. But um, heck, maybe we'll try and get Pat on the show sometime. I've always found a difference between, in my limited experience, to me, players that kick a football. There's two types in the NFL. There are guys who can kick a ball that are in the NFL. And there are NFL players that happen to kick a ball. Like, clearly Pat McAfee, like, he's made the tackles, he's done the other things. He's an athlete and an NFL player that happened to kick a ball, a punter. And in general, I find it's often more punters. But maybe I'm jaded. I mean... I had Darren Bennett, Mr. Aussie Rules and Clothesline Tackle, and, and then followed by Mike Cyphers forever. He's a, he's a football player that happens to kick a ball, not the, not the other way around. And I think Pat McAfee's cut from that cloth. Whereas I think the field goal kickers, I mean, Pat was a kickoff specialist and a punter. I think he was more football player, clearly. Some of the field goal kickers are a little more, I don't know, golfer-like mental game in your head, you know, uh, kind of thing. Whereas I think a lot of the punters like Pat were straight out football players. And so he's our beast of the week. You got to look at the video. You haven't seen it. I was uh, very impressed uh, with, with what he did. All right, guys, anything else you want to close out on here? No, just uh, always check out for updates. Sports Injury Central, we have a lot of baseball coverage. We're going to finish uh, NFL play, our NFL draft coming up. That's going to be big for us. And then obviously NBA playoffs. Yeah, and, and I'm appreciative of the whole team here. Thanks for coming on, guys. And I'm appreciative of the uh, Sports Injury Central docs. And, you know, there's a lot of sports, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, I think that's very helpful for us. Uh, thanks for listening and watching. And uh, let's see what happens tonight with uh, North Carolina, Kansas, and the Masters this week, and a, and a lot of fun things. And, and obviously, let's restart. We made some calls today. Make sure, let's do a report card next week. Gotcha. If we're wrong, we're wrong. Let's, you know, let's talk about why we're wrong and what happened. So make a checklist of some of those things that, that we've talked about here. And let's grade ourselves uh, next week. Or, or you guys can happily give me some grief and uh, point things out when we're, when we're not correct next week. But on that note, Sports Injury Central, SixScore.com, uh, Pro Football Doc Podcast. Thanks for watching and listening.